You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to you. My name is Benjamin, and I have the honor of uh, bringing the Easter message, and it is an honor to be here and just to speak about this great event to you. I don't take it for granted. Let's pray. God, there is so much going on in the world right now. It can seem discouraging. It can seem uh, like things aren't going to get any better anytime soon. It can make us feel like, what's the point? But I pray you would show us that well, in some way, shape, or form, this is the way the world always is, broken without you. But it doesn't mean that we have to be broken. It doesn't mean that we have to be joyless. That we can find hope in the resurrection. That we can be in relationship with you. That we can be changing, even if the world isn't changing. That we can have hope for the future, even if much of the people around us don't. And so, God, I don't know everyone here, but you know everyone here. Uh, You know what they're going through in their lives. You know um, what they believe in their minds and in their hearts. And so, wherever we are today, wherever everyone is, I pray that you would speak to them. uh, That if they have never come into contact with you, the resurrected God, that they would. And if they have, Lord but maybe they've forgotten just how monumental this event was that you would show them once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is when we celebrate Easter, and for much of the country, it's just another day. It's just a day that they get off tomorrow. It's just a day when they have some chocolate and some eggs. It's just a day when they have a big meal and get together with family. But there's something much, much bigger at work. And today we celebrate the completion of Christ's work for salvation. Uh, today we see uh, the wrapping up of the good news called the gospel. The gospel is a message. It's a message of good news. It's a message that is meant to be spread. It's a message uh, that was completed and ready to be sent out on Resurrection Day. When Jesus, God's Son, came to earth, fully man and fully God, and showed us who God is and what God expects of us, how we can know him and how we can be changed by him, God lived as a man for 33 years and lived perfectly, without sin, without blame, without spot. And instead of just earning his way to heaven as he did, because heaven is a place for perfect people where there is no sin, he decided to give himself up as an offering to save humanity, 
that anyone who puts their faith in him uh, can be made right with God, not by their own merit, but by the merit of Christ. He chose to die for sinners. And not just die, but take the sin upon himself. Be scourged, be beaten by the Romans, and then be crucified. He became sin who did not know sin. He became an adulterer for all adulterers. He became a liar for all liars. He became a murderer for all murderers. And then he died. And then he was put in a tomb. But he didn't stay in the tomb. He came back to life. He rose again and defeated death. And because he defeated death, we can defeat death. Death has been defeated. The sting of death is gone. And he walked the earth. It wasn't just a few people that saw him. It was hundreds of people who saw him, who talked about him. The news spread. They tried to debunk it, but they couldn't because it happened. God came back to life. And then he gave his disciples some marching orders. He was about to go to heaven. And when he went to heaven, he was going to send the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, to live inside of all of those who believe in him. Not just to save them from the punishment of sin, but to guide them through life and faith. And not just to guide them through life and faith now, but someday to take them to be with him in a perfect place where there is no sin, where there is no more evil. This message, which was completed on Easter Sunday, is called the gospel. It is the good news. It is for all of humanity. It's the good news that humanity doesn't have to be broken anymore, that there is another option, that we don't have to be separated from God anymore. That we don't have to, uh, to live in this perpetual state of dysfunction. That we can have peace. And so the gospel was the message that Jesus told his disciples to go out and share. The Easter story. The gospel and Easter are the same. Today's Easter message is a bit different than a typical Easter message. Usually when we get together on Easter, we uh, go over the events of Easter Day, but I don't need to do that for you. I don't feel the need to do that because most of you grew up in the church. Most of you know what I just told you. But we've forgotten the marching orders. We've forgotten that we're not just supposed to be keeping it to ourselves. We've forgotten what Jesus told them after he was resurrected and before he went to heaven. He says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It's the greatest news that there's ever been. It is the news that can change a person's life more radically than anything else. It is so easy to receive, and yet it is so hard to receive in Canada in 2022. It is one of the hardest things for people in our nation to receive. It's one of the hardest things for Christians to share, if we're honest. 
Somehow, over 2,000 years, it's become a message that we struggle to share. It's great news, and it's a message that it's hard for people to receive. If you want to have a church service in 2022 in Canada, sure, cool. Lots of people will come. People will still come to church, even though not as many people come to church. That's not that difficult. If you want to have a Bible study, have some food, you'll get people out. People still love to get together and debate the Bible and and talk about it and have some food. If you want to have a bluegrass gospel uh, concert, great. People will come to that. If you want to have a contemporary worship concert, cool. People will come to that. You can get people to do these things. But the hardest thing, one of the hardest things in our nation in 2022 is to get a meth addict or a single mom or a comfortable boomer or a self-righteous professional or a confused young youth to receive the gospel with an open heart, and allow it to change their life. There is such a barrier up in the hearts of Canadians. Not only that, but it is so hard to get Christians to speak the Easter story out of their mouth to those who do not know it yet. And if we're honest... It's easy for us to gather together every Easter and hear the great story. It's a great story, and it needs to be told to each other to encourage us over and over again. But yet, when we gather every year, for some reason in our nation and in the West, we're not seeing the corresponding effect that happened that first century, and that's happening all over the world Just think about the Easter story. 1989 years ago. What happened after Christ was resurrected in the Roman Empire, in one of the most brutal ages in humanity? It set off the most amazing set of events that changed history forever. Masses of people of all different ethnicities And classes came to faith. And then the spirit of God filled them. And they went off. And they were persecuted. And yet they could not be stopped. And then they went into all the cities around. Pagan cities. Dangerous cities. They had no Bibles to give. They had nothing to hand out. There was no church building to invite anybody into. There was no programs to keep them entertained. The Roman government was against them. The Jewish authorities were against them. Uh, They were persecuted. And yet, they had God, they had a few friends, and they had the gospel to share. And what happened? They turned the most powerful empire in the history upside down. They remembered the message that Jesus had given them before they went up, before he went up to heaven. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it's still the message with all the answers for all life's problems all over the world. You know, whenever there's a big event, which the big event right now is Ukraine and Russia, I often hear, and I and I hear it now, why aren't we focusing in on Russia and Ukraine. Why are we focusing on this or that? 
And I have to give the answer because the answer is in the gospel. The answer to what's going on in Russia and Ukraine are people's hearts are evil. And because their hearts are evil, they do evil and wicked things. And the only answer to the evil is the gospel. That Christ died for them, to save them, and can come into them and change them and give them a heart, a new heart. And so, I want to ask you, do you still believe that a political party is going to be the ones to save us? Do you still believe that science is going to be the thing to save us? Do you still believe that new technology or more wealth or social programs is the thing that's going to save us? Because it's not. We've had 80 years of that, and look where we are. The gospel is the message, the Easter message that has the answer to all life's problems. So I want to ask you, do you know the gospel? And not just do you know the gospel, does the gospel live inside of you yet? Have you received it? I think one of the problems is is why we're not seeing what we're seeing in the other parts of the world, in the West anymore, is because a lot of us, a lot of people that come to churches, they know the gospel, but the gospel is not in them. And so all over the country, there will literally be hundreds of thousands of people gathering as we are in some way, shape, or form to remember Easter. And yet, we're not seeing the corresponding effect that we're seeing in the second and third world nations. We have a form of religion, but we don't have the living, resurrected Jesus. And so, have you received the Easter message. Is the resurrected Jesus living in you? Is he changing you? Is he in your mind? Is he in your heart? Is he directing your life purpose? Does he have your allegiance? Because Easter changes everything or it changes nothing. Has it changed your mind? Because when the resurrected Jesus saves you, he starts to change your mind. He gets into your head. You you no longer see things the way you used. You no longer think the same way you used to think. You, You don't think you're so good anymore and that you can impress God with your good and nice deeds. You realize that you're actually spiritually bankrupt, Uh, But you see the one with the answer. And and so when you realize in your mind that you're not adequate and you're not all all, all up to what you think you should be, you go to Christ with humility and you say, God, you have the answers. God, you are the one I need. You're like Isaiah, who when he saw the Lord said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the Lord God Almighty. The gospel changes your mind or it doesn't do anything. It changes your identity. So many people, right, we're, we're constantly looking for the world's approval. We're, we're secure in our identity and then the next day we're not. 
But when the gospel gets in your mind, you become secure in your identity more and more as you realize more and more that God loves you, that he saved you, that you don't have to do anything to earn his love for you. He gave it freely. And so you stop trying to please people because you realize you're loved the way you are. Easter changes the way you view the world system. The more Christ takes over your mind, the less you look to the world for answers, the more you see the ridiculousness of it, that evolution, it's, it's ridiculous. You see that the promises of the world, all the enticement, oh, just buy this, oh, just do that, oh, just become this, you see it's lies. As the gospel invades your mind, you see the emptiness of the world and all its trinkets and treats. And you realize, as Paul did, when he says in Ephesians chapter 2, that I formerly walked in according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power, that's Satan, who rules it, according to the spirit of the world that now works in the sons of disobedience. So the question is, Has the gospel changed your mind? Has the Easter story changed your mind? Is God resurrecting your mind? Or do you still believe the lies of this world? The gospel not only changes your mind, but it changes your heart. Listen to what God said through uh, Ezekiel that he would do. This is for us, these New Testament Christians, us who receive Christ by faith. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. The gospel resurrects your dead heart. And it gives you a heart that loves God And starts to love people. And not just love God in a lip service kind of religious way where you come into church and tip your hat and and then you leave and and nothing really changed. No, you actually start to like, like and love God. It's a strange thing. Trust me, from a guy who had no regard for God before, I actually started and am more and more loving him. You start to see everything through the eyes of God. You you look around at creation and you don't just see it as some random events. You start to say, wow, there is a God who made all of this and the same God who made all of this saved me and the same God who saved me holds everything together and the same God who holds everything together has made a place for me to go after I leave this earth. You start to appreciate God when your heart's been changed by the gospel. You start to see that his laws and his statutes, they're not just to kill joy. God is not just there giving you rules because he wants to. No, but it's actually good. You start to see that, oh, the way God tells me to live is for my own benefit. He's a good father. You start to see that he loved you. And because he loved you, you start to love him. You trust that his promises are true. You don't fret about how you will pay your bills next week or when you will die. And when you're suffering, 
like Job was suffering, and you're going through hard times, and it feels like people have betrayed you. You have the faith through your love for God, as Job did, that you can say, but I know, even though I'm suffering, my Redeemer lives, and on the end, he will stand upon the earth. That love gives you enough to keep going. And, and not only does the gospel give you a heart of love for God, but a heart that loves other people. Like I tell you, it's the strangest thing. I used to like to hurt people. Seriously. And then God gave me a heart that wanted to help people. And when the Easter message penetrates a person's heart, he will start to, it's not immediate, he will start to give you a love for other people. You'll start to care about them. Not just care about them, make them happy, but you'll want to see their souls saved and their lives transformed. You won't be able to hate people. As John says in John, 1 John 4, 10, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister to whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And it's not like we have to, he's just talking about people that beat up people like, you know, like the wars going on. He's talking about a people who, who careless Christians, Christians, have you ever met them? They're like ice cold. They have no love, it seems, for humanity. They just go about their business. But God says, you know what will happen? If you're really a Christian, if you've really been changed by the gospel, you'll start to care about these people. You'll start to take an interest in their lives. Why? Because God died for them. Because God cares for them. Because God created them. And sure, they're going to frustrate you. Trust me. And, and sometimes you're going to want to slap them across the face. And, and sometimes, you know, arrogant people are going to make you want to pull your hair out. These people that think, oh, I've got it all together, and they can't see that their life's a disaster. And sometimes crusty religious people, oh, man, they're going to give you a headache. But you will more and more see their value. You will see the sanctity of human life and you will want to relieve the pain and suffering. You will even care for people as you watch them destroy their lives. You'll weep like Jesus did when he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, as he cried, how many times I've wanted to gather you up, but you won't let me. Has the gospel penetrated your heart? Has the Easter story made a difference in your love for God and love for people. The gospel changes not only your head and your heart, but your life's purpose, why you live. Think about the disciples. For the first three and a half years, when Jesus was alive, what was their thinking? It was pretty worldly, wasn't it? They were always bickering about who's the best one, when can we overthrow the Romans, who's going to get the best position when uh, the Romans are overthrown, uh, when are we going to bring down judgment on these filthy heathens, right? They were worldly thinking. And then when push came to shove, what did they do? 11 out of 12 of them bailed to save themselves. But something happened on resurrection morning. Something happened, and that something was a resurrected Christ. Jesus came back, 
And that changed the course of their life. They had a new purpose that was more than themselves. They wanted to live for something greater than themselves. And Jesus told them what that new purpose was. Matthew tells us. Matthew says, therefore, Matthew tells us that Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very end. That became their purpose. You know what my purpose used to be for a good 27 years? It was me, my comfort, what I wanted to do. Sure, I, was, uh, I had parents, but they weren't primary. I had kids, but they weren't primary. I had the army, but it wasn't primary. In the end, they were all part of my life. And I did nice things and good things for them. But in the end, if I'm honest with you, it was me. I was the most important thing in my life. I was my purpose. And then at 27 years old, I met the resurrected, the real living God. And he came into me and changed me. And he gave me a purpose. Do you have that purpose? To use our lives for something greater than our own little kingdoms. To use our time, our talents, and our treasures for something eternal. And my desire, before I drop dead, my hope is that I'll get to place one brick. One brick on the kingdom that God has been building over 2,000 years. That with my life, I will produce something that will be eternal. Uh, That is really the desire of my life. Whether that is being a pastor, or whether that is the guy sweeping the road. That's what I desire. And that's what we are to desire. For 1,989 years, Christians have been building the kingdom of God that Jesus started, that the apostles built on, and that men and women like us have been building. They use their lives, and we've felt the benefits of it, whether you realize it or not. They realize, as I have to realize, when sometimes I get frustrated and I hear the voices of Satan or my flesh saying, just get out of pastoring and go get a good paying job and an easy life and just build your little kingdom, your comfortable little kingdom, Ben. Like the old days. I have to shake my head and remember, that's all just fading away. I'm not taking any of that with me. But Paul tells us that we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow citizens and saints and members of God's household. And we are called to build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. And so in my marriage and in my parenting and in my uh, friendship and being a son and being an athlete or being a student, I I hope that it's producing something eternal, that it's not just building more for me or it's a waste of time. And that's what the gospel does to us. It gives us a new purpose. Has it given you a new purpose? Or are you just going to walk out of here and go back to numero 
uno. Gospel changes our mind, it changes our heart. Easter changes our life purpose, and it changes our allegiance. That's the last one. Our allegiance. I don't know if you felt it. I've certainly felt it. Maybe I'm on Mars by myself. But over the last couple of years, it just feels like everyone is pressing me for their allegiance. Like, swear to them, do what they say, think the way they think. Come on, just agree with me on this or else. Or else you're not going to be my friend. Or else you can't go to my school. Or else you can't be in this job. Or else you can't come to this church. Like, doesn't it feel like to you that so much of society is like, give me your allegiance? I certainly feel it as a Canadian, as a pastor, as a male, a man, as a father, this pressure to conform, to agree to Christians and to non-Christians, to people on, on the left and people on the right. Like it's coming from all over. And I'm sure it's going to pick up. But I have to close my eyes and I have to remember because sometimes I feel like just agreeing. Just agree, and then you'll have peace. But I have to remember the disciples after Jesus had been crucified, before he had risen again, in that three-day period. Where were they? Hiding. Why were they hiding? Because they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they wanted to please man. It had been time to stand up for Christ and they had failed miserably. And so they were all hiding. Uh, Their countrymen, their friends, their family, their Pharisees were against them, pressing them. And they were probably going to give up pretty soon. And in walks the resurrected Jesus. And a new allegiance, a new level of loyalty overtakes the apostles. And 11 out of the 12 of them would die for the gospel and the 12th would stay faithful to the end and you and I are invited you are invited to carry on in the footsteps of men and women that have walked faithfully for the last 2,000 years in allegiance to a king against armies against rulers against principalities they have stood firm that's what Easter encourages us to do, to join with the men and women who are meeting secretly right now in Easter services all over the world, quietly. They're whispering. Before the sun rises, or they're going to their secret church services. And if they get caught, they'll go to jail. They'll be beaten. They may even die to join along with our brothers and sisters in North Korea and Iran and Ukraine and Russia and Afghanistan and Mexico and China in allegiance to the king of the universe. To say, as Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Has the gospel changed your allegiance? Or if the pressure increases just a little bit, will you... Buckle. Will you swear to whatever ruler there is or whatever popular way of thinking there is? Are you willing to lose something for your king in order to gain something much greater? 
Ladies and gentlemen, in this Easter, we have to realize time is running out. Our time is short. It's, it's, it's too late in the game to just do predictable Canadian church anymore. Same predictable church. I want church the way I want it. And if I don't get it the way I want it, I'll go to another church and I'll tell them. And if they don't do it, then I'll go to another church. Same predictable about me church life. It's too late in the game to do that anymore. It's not working. That's why nobody's interested in what we're telling them. But it's time to get into the game. It's time to get serious for our Lord. He died for us and he's commissioned us to go out. And it's all right to admit, hey, maybe I haven't been doing it the way my Lord wanted it. Maybe I haven't been sold out to him. Maybe I'm still thinking like the world. Maybe I'm not letting him penetrate my heart. Maybe my life's purpose hasn't been gospel. When I wrestled, I wrestled in high school and a match is relatively short. It's six minutes, two, three minute rounds. And so if in the second round, at the one-minute clock, when there's one minute left, if I looked up and saw it's 10 to 3 for my opponent, you know what the, my coach would do, Mr. Grundy? He'd call a timeout. And he'd say, listen, come here, Ben. Understand, it's not going so well. You need to get serious and go back to the basics. Go back to the fundamentals. Start fighting or else you're going to get pummeled. And we've been getting beaten up. But it's not too late. There's still time. If you're still breathing, you still have life. No matter how much you failed in the past, you can still move forward. Young people, this world is going to tell you, do what we say or you have no value. It's going to be constantly telling you you're not good enough. But there's a God who died for you that says you're good enough right now. And his love won't shift like culture. It will be firm. And seniors, the world's told you, you're not much good for much anything except giving them your money. And that's what the world thinks of a lot of seniors. But I'm telling you, that the God of the Bible loves to take seniors and use them to shake the gates of hell. To go to hell's gates and grab people out of it and take them to the resurrected king. Some of the greatest men and women in the last 2,000 years have been in the last period of their life. And so, young people, so middle-aged people, so seniors... What are we going to do? Just walk away another Easter message and go on? I don't want to do that. And I hope you don't want to do that. I want to let God take more of my mind and more of my heart and more of my purpose and more of my allegiance. And I hope you will join me in the same. I'm going to pray and then we are going to worship God in one last song. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our minds and our hearts and our purposes and our allegiance. Lord, you're worthy of far more anything than we can give. And oh God, I pray we would 
catch fire. The same Holy Spirit that lived in those apostles. Lord, would you live in us? Would you help us to be people that are more than just people who say nice things or read good Christian books? But with the gospel, with the Easter message, would you penetrate our hearts? And Lord, we want to live for you. In this little town, it may seem like nothing, but God, you want to do work in this town. Through these people, you want to do work through them. You want them to be kingdom builders. God, would you give them courage? It's scary for a lot of them. Would you encourage them, Lord, that they don't have to succeed or be rich or famous. They just have to follow you, and you'll be proud of them. And you'll be with them. And Lord, to any that are here that realize they've just been going to church. And they're not really allowing you to save them and change them. I pray that they would just all do that simple thing that is so hard for us. That they would humble themselves. And they would say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I need you. I've made a mess of life. Would you save me? Would you change me? And then they would follow you. They would just start following you. And you will show them and you will change them and you will do what they can't do. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.